What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. Danny. Danny. Da Danny. <laughs> Danny. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> There's no answer, Sean. There's no answer. There isn't going to be one, is there? <laughs> Fraternity is all about brotherly love and the love of horror. And we're going to be tackling another movie that touches on the aspects of brotherhood. Aren't we, Sean? We sure are. Welcome to week two of our international horror celebration. This week, we're going to be heading north for some Canadian horror. We're actually killing two birds with one stone here, as we are taking this opportunity to do our first Cronenberg film. It's kind of amazing that we have yet to do a Cronenberg film here on Fraternity. Yeah, pretty crazy. This late in the game, but very excited to finally get to some Cronenberg. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Cronenberg, but I haven't seen as many films of his that I probably should have, or as being a fan would imply. Dead Ringers is the movie we're going to be covering tonight. And Dead Ringers is a film that I've owned on VHS and currently own on Blu-ray, but I've never taken the time to sit down and really watch it. I tried watching it a couple times in my teenage years, but I just never had the patience for it. I would just eject the tape and throw in Sleepaway Camp 3 or some other slasherific splatter flick instead. With that said, are we ready to tackle Dead Ringers? I think we're as ready as we'll ever be. I think it's time to just suck it up, tackle this movie, because I can definitely see why at a younger age you didn't care for it, but it's a very deeply mature movie with mature themes, as most Cronenberg tends to be, but we're going to go for it. And I think it's going to be fun. Like you said, we're dealing with a movie about brothers, but not just brothers, identical twins who both have a striking resemblance to Jeremy Irons. <laughs> In fact, you could say that they are actually Siamese twins. Their connection isn't physical, though. It's mental. And through the course of this film, we're going to see how that can be far more dangerous and deadly. But before we get started, just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. That's at Fraternity. Tweet at us, DM us, go follow us. We'd be happy to interact with you. We have an email, Fraternity at gmail.com. That's Fraternity at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, anything at all. We'll read you on the podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube, type in Fraternity in the search bar. Our channel is going to show up where we upload previous episodes of the show. Every Wednesday, every Wednesday, those episodes go up over on YouTube and they have a bit of a visual treat to them. So go over there, check that out. Keep up to date with everything Fraternity is doing. And don't forget to leave those ratings and reviews. Did you hear that plug? Do you hear how hard Danny's working? Don't you think you should click those five stars? And just remember, we will also read your reviews right here. If we like what you have to say. I don't know. I, I think I would read a bad one, don't you think? Be fun. <laughs> it's got to be a good bad one, though, you know? It's got to really, really say something. Be Shakespearean with your critique of Fraternity. That, that's what I would enjoy. You know, someone's a critical analysis of us. <laughs> Make it better than the show. <laughs> 
Well, all right, Danny. We meet the Mantle Twins when they're young boys. We can see they're already of sound scientific, if not a bit perverted minds, as they discuss the differences in reproduction between humans and fish. They then ask a local girl if she will have sex with them before rightfully and hilariously being told to fuck off. You don't even know what fuck is. <laughs> yeah, even as kids, I feel like you can already tell them apart, you know? Yeah, definitely. You definitely have their personalities already coming through. We then see young Bev and Elliot play Operation on a transparent human anatomy model kit before we jump ahead over a decade and find them in medical school doing their cadaver dissection surgery studies. Their teacher notices them using a personal tool and criticizes it before we jump to a banquet on behalf of the Mantle Twins for inventing this new retractor. And Elliot accepts their gold-plated award and brings it back to Beverly. And we see here that Elliot is the extrovert, while Beverly is more introverted. And Elliot is kind of the face of their operation, while Beverly is the brains, you could say. And Elliot tells Beverly, you should have been there. To which Beverly replies, I was. Just revealing the tightness of this bond. Yeah, I really like that line too. It's just our first indication that these twins here are going to be inseparable till the end. Oh yeah, the bitter, bitter end. But now we're off to present day 1988. And the twins have their own female fertility practice in Toronto. Beverly inspects an actress named Claire Naveau, who has three pathways into her cervix that causes her to be unable to bear children. Beverly insists Elliot give her a look over as Elliot is preparing to attend a dinner in pursuit of a grant. It's here that the twins swap places. Elliot goes to inspect Claire and winds up taking her out to dinner while Beverly is left to pursue the grant. And we see here that Elliot makes a habit of betting their patients. Yeah, Elliot is the smooth-talking one. He gets to know the patients. He swoons them, sweeps them off their feet, and then when he gets bored with them, he hands them off to Beverly. And the patients are none the wiser. Yeah, and he's very keen on handing Claire over to him. And we see that these brothers truly share everything. They view themselves as two sides of the same coin. One mind, two bodies. So Beverly does go to see Claire, but he just isn't as suave or promiscuous as Elliot, so things don't go great at this first meeting. Beverly returns to the clinic where we see Elliot is having a lot of trouble with a distraught patient, and Elliot tells Bev that, I'm just no good with the serious ones, and Bev retorts, I'm just no good with the frivolous ones. And at dinner, Elliot tells Beverly that if he doesn't go back to see Claire, that he will, but he'll tell her he's Beverly and do terrible, terrible things. And then we cut to some kinky sex between Beverly and Claire, but Beverly is going to grow quite attached to Claire, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Beverly is quickly growing fond of Claire. And I love that reveal when it shows them having kinky sex and you think it's Elliot at first, but then we see once he starts acting sweet and kind and tender to her that it is Beverly having the sex here. <laughs> and this is when he truly starts to fall for her. Yeah, this was probably the one scene that tricked me the most in Who Is Who. But when Beverly goes home, he refuses to share this experience with Elliot. And we see that 
up until this point, they've shared all the details of their life experiences with one another. Elliot even tells Beverly, you haven't fucked Claire Naveau until you've told me. And Beverly's like, then I haven't fucked Claire Naveau. He wants to keep this one to himself. Yeah, and we could already see that this is making Elliot a bit uncomfortable as there's beginning to be a bit of a stake drawn between these brothers' relationship due to Claire. Yeah, for sure. And we then see Elliot go to sleep with Claire, and he notices her taking some pills, and he suggests that she allow him to do the prescribing for her. So if things weren't complicated enough already, Elliot gives Beverly pills to bring to Claire next time he visits her. And he uses this to push this idea of Claire using them for drugs and suggests dropping her, to which Beverly replies, you drop her. And Elliot observes out loud here that this is unknown territory for the Mantle twins to find themselves divided over a woman. You know, it's definitely Bev's fault that he chooses to start taking these drugs, but I think Elliot is on some level at fault here with kind of encouraging it. And he's the one that started this whole relationship too and pushed it on Beverly. And it's just the consequences of sharing this identity, the singular identity and sharing everything. Oh yeah, Elliot definitely drove them to this point. If Elliot wasn't being promiscuous with Claire and passing her off to Bev, none of this happens. So he definitely put the wheels in motion for sure. And the next time Bev visits Claire, she actually confronts him over the fact that she's been picking up on inconsistencies in his behavior, calling him mildly schizophrenic. But he ends up feeding her one of the pills and then takes one himself, and then they go off to make love. But the truth is soon to come out, because one day we see Claire go to lunch with a friend of hers, and this woman asks her about the time she's been spending with the Mantle twins, revealing the fact that they're identical twins to Claire. And Claire even goes pale as she starts to put this ruse together. She confronts Beverly the next time she sees him for some inconsistent statements he made about he and his brother. And she demands that Beverly arrange a meeting between the three of them. And I love how Beverly freaks out during this scene, almost unable to handle the confrontation. And it's just funny to imagine how much smoother Elliot may have been here, you know? Right, yeah, and it's so interesting to see how Bev reacts to this and really wonder why he's so against it. Is it because he feels like he's living in the shadow of Elliot and Elliot is the smooth talker and the one who can swoon the women? Yeah, it's kind of tough to pin down his motivation, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, and that's it's very multi-layered. There's a lot of, I feel like you could watch this multiple times and pick up on different things every time. I certainly did. and. Yeah, it's just really fascinating to watch, and I really love once Claire knows the truth. She gets a keen eye on the relationship with the brothers and kind of has this powerful insight that they really have never come to terms with. Yeah, for sure. We do get a great confrontational scene in a restaurant where Claire quickly cuts through the bullshit and demands that the brothers come clean to her about the fact that she's sleeping with them both. Elliot is defiantly prickish in giving up the game revealing that he did her first before giving her to his baby brother. (laughs) (laughs) He even says she wasn't very good. And we can see how distraught Beverly is through this entire scene that culminates in him getting a glass of water thrown in his face as Claire leaves. She's truly disgusted, and rightfully so. Yeah, Claire angrily storms off, and I love that Elliot is just 
kind of laughing at this whole situation. Like he really doesn't feel much at all for it. And then we see Beverly just sobbing in the restaurant, dripping wet. So sad to see because, you know, he's never felt love like this before. Yeah, I think Elliot saw this as a convenient solution to the problem. But I don't think he did recognize just how attached Beverly had become. He even offers to go after her. But Bev is like, no, just let her go. And later we see Elliot accepting an award when a drunk and distraught Beverly crashes the event and makes an ass out of himself on stage, proclaiming, it's a fraud. I'm Elliot and he's Beverly. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, I bet you'd like to know how we divide the work. I slave over the hot snatches, and Elliot makes the speeches. (laughs) (laughs) Great scene demonstrating that this has already sent Beverly on his downward spiral here. Yeah, the brothers are starting to become torn apart, and Beverly is diving deep into drug abuse. Beverly winds up apologizing later on before Elliot informs him that he's been offered the associate professorship at the hospital. So the Mantle twins are going to find themselves even more separated than usual. And it's also interesting to note that we can already definitely see the beginnings of Beverly's drug addiction, because the first time I watched it, I wasn't quite sure where it started. Was it after that nightmare scene we're about to get to? But no, it's already started here, right? Oh yeah, I mean, there's subtle things like he no longer has an appetite, and he's starting to have like lapses in time. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse from here. We see Bev winds up running into Claire, and he goes to her house where he spills his guts to her, telling her how he and Elliot always shared things, people, experiences. It had never bothered him until her. And Claire ends up forgiving Beverly, and we get this fantastic nightmare sequence where Beverly wakes up and finds Elliot laying in bed with them. We then see that they're actually attached like Siamese twins in the stomach. This really nasty, fleshy bridge between them. (laughs) Finally, some body horror. Yeah. (laughs) And Claire calms Beverly as she goes to separate them by biting through this fleshy mass. And we see like what looks like an intestinal chunk being torn out. Properly nasty. Yeah, the Mantle Twins have been sharing everything their entire life. And they see nothing wrong with this, but... They've also never confronted the fact that it's at the cost of their own individual identity. They happily play a part in the loss of that identity as they both see themselves as one soul or one one entity almost, at least until Claire comes into the picture and kind of makes them come to reality. Yeah, she drives that initial wedge. And after that nightmare, Beverly wakes up frantic and he's fed pills by Claire in order to calm him so he can sleep. And it's really here where Beverly forms this dependency on the drugs. We see him missing work, unable to eat, unable to function correctly when he does go to work. I love the subtle ways we see Bev getting worse, like when his hands are shaking while attempting to perform his surgeries. Yeah, it's all really great stuff. And two, I think we see a bit of Beverly wanting to develop his own identity, but it's all new to him. You know, he doesn't want to have that dream about. Elliot again you know he's telling Claire like don't let me dream that again and he's becoming dependent on these drugs because in some way he does want to be his own person but he doesn't really know how to he's also leaving that dependent relationship with Elliot 
and then just starting a new one with Claire here as he becomes more and more attached as he grows deeper into substance abuse. Yeah, well said, man. And meanwhile, Elliot is coping with his separation anxiety by banging twin escorts while having them call him Bev and Elliot. Twin escorts has to be pretty rare, I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I think he paid top dollar for some twin escorts there. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really short, small scene, but it's strikingly important into how Elliot views him and Bev's relationship, really, and how he really does see themselves as one entity, as the Mantle Twins, not really as separate people. Right. Once Elliot is back on the scene, Claire and him meet in private at the behest of Claire. And she basically tells Elliot that she loves Beverly, but she's leaving for a few months to work on a movie and wants to make sure he isn't alone as she informs Elliot of his twin brother's little drug habit. And Elliot tells Claire he thinks she's a problem for he and his brother. He even makes a pass at her saying it would be easier if she could like them the same way. But she tells Elliot that she just can't. And we get a great line when he asks, am I really so different from my brother? And Claire tells him, you really are. (laughs) Yeah, he's looking in the mirror and he's, yeah, he's confronted with that fact that people really do see them separately, even though they themselves see each other as one person. Yeah, confronting some truths here. And this is the first time, as far as we know, that Elliot and Beverly haven't shared a woman. It's also likely the first time that Elliot has had to deal with rejection. And it must really sting coming from a woman so fond of his other half, or what makes him whole, you know? Yeah, exactly. It definitely cuts deep that Claire does not really take a liking to Elliot. Now, at this point, Bev is simply off his rocker. He ends up calling Claire's hotel and losing his mind when her obviously gay assistant answers and Bev (laughs) mistakes him for a lover. We get a great bit here where Bev tells this poor guy how to inspect her cervix and reveals her diagnosis proclaiming that he's been fucking a mutant. Yeah, I really just love how uncomfortable the secretary becomes as Bev is talking about Claire's uh, vagina here. He's almost (laughs) crying. (laughs) Yeah, it's sick and twisted. (laughs) Bev goes to Elliot and winds up confiding in him. And there's an interesting line here where Elliot tells Bev when Bev says, I'm in love with her. He's like, it can't be love if I don't love her too or something like that. You know, did you notice that? Well, he says it can't be love if it does this to you. Does he say the other line? I can't quite remember how the line went, but he's basically just trying to convince him that it can't be love because you and I are one in the same. That's how I interpreted it. Right. Because then Bev is like, you're right, I was hiding from the wrong person. Yeah, Bev admits he's been hiding out at Claire's place, away from Elliot, because he didn't think Elliot would let them be together. And he's kind of grown this fear of Elliot, because every time, really, when we see the twins together, you know, they just have this bond that's inseparable. And yeah, we see here that Elliot is pretty happy again that the relationship is dissolving as he really doesn't think Claire should be a part of their lives. Yeah, Beverly is in a massive downward spiral now, but Elliot takes him home. We then see Bev moping on the couch as Elliot dances with one of his girls, and he talks her into offering Beverly a dance, 
And before you know it, she finds herself in the middle of a mantle sandwich. And she's digging it, dude. Oh, it's creepy. Just reiterating that these guys share everything and don't feel that bad about it. But clearly it makes Bev uncomfortable here as breaks away and is like, I can't do this. (laughs) Yeah, he retreats outside where he collapses. And this woman and Elliot rush to assist him. And we see Beverly get hospitalized. And Elliot really steps up here and attempts to help Beverly detox and sort his life out. This is harder than it seems, though, because Bev is a doctor. And at this point, he's going mad. We see him using the gold-plated mantle retractor on some poor old lady before insinuating that she might be having sex with a Labrador retriever. Yeah, I really love when Beverly falls and the woman tries to help him. And then Elliot rushes over and pushes her out the way and is like, Don't touch him, he's my brother! You know, it's these small moments where we really see Elliot drop this facade and show, really, he's kind of the attached one in the relationship here. Yeah, well, when they were dancing, too, Elliot started pulling them upstairs, and that's when Bev broke off, and Elliot even says, Stay with us. Stay with me. (laughs) Stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I also like when he is inspecting this old lady with the mantle retractor, there's this moment where he just pauses, and he's like, Wait, what was I doing? (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) We see Elliot is quite shocked by Beverly's actions because he's like, the mantle retractor is not for this. But Bev raves about how it's not the instrument's fault. It's the women. Their bodies are all wrong, Danny. Yeah, he goes to visit this artist who makes metal sculptures and he wants to see if he'll make some surgical instrument prototypes that Beverly has come up with. He tells them that they're gynecological instruments for mutant women. And this sculptor is like, dude, that's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) Like, let's do that. (laughs) Yeah, in an artistic sense, he's like, hey, that's good for a show. I like this idea. (laughs) And then Beverly's like, no, 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 no. These are, this is real. I need these made for my my work. (laughs) (laughs) We see Bev then shooting up in his office as his poor receptionist walks in and tenders her resignation as she can't work (laughs) under these conditions and who could who could honestly yeah beverly (laughs) that resignation was a little late in my opinion (laughs) because bev has been acting crazy for a while now yeah he hasn't gotten any better he's gotten way worse now we haven't discussed it because it isn't relevant to the plot But there are these awesome looking scenes where Beverly performs his surgeries and him and his assistants all wear these red medical garbs. They almost look like occult members, right? Yeah, it's really great costume design and it's very eye-catching, this deep red. Even the face masks that they wear are red. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect striking imagery. And... We see the drug-addled Beverly preparing to use his experimental instruments on some poor woman. And when the other doctor sees these things, we see her eyes bulge like, what in the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, I've never seen these before. Like, number them from one to ten, left to right. (laughs) Give me the number that I ask. (laughs) They look like if H.R. Geiger made surgical tools, right? Right, yeah, exactly. They also have... The appropriate Cronenberg insectoid resemblances. I love these tools. (laughs) They're great. I'd put them in my room. 
<laughs> oh yeah, these are awesome. He ends up damaging this woman in ways that I don't want to ponder before he leaps on top of her to take his own hits off of the sedation from her mask. <laughs> the other doctors remove Beverly before rushing to help this patient and repair whatever damage Beverly may have caused. And soon after that, we see Elliot pretending to be Beverly in front of a board, attempting to explain and apologize for his behaviors. And then at home, after listening to the lunacy spilling out of his brother's mouth, Elliot decides to take some radical and drastic measures to help Beverly, and in turn, help himself. Yeah, Elliot is not willing to give up on Beverly here. He's will do anything, try and save his brother. He comes to the conclusion that in order to help Bev, he has to synchronize with him. His idea is to get them both on the same drug regimen until they both careen to the rock bottom and then kick the habit together. Seems like a great idea. What could go wrong? Yeah, in Elliot's mind, they have to be in sync. As soon as they're in sync, then they can start working together and doing what needs to be done. Right now, they're off balance. There's an imbalance in the Mantle Twins' relationship, and it needs to be fixed. I like here where Beverly asks Elliot why he doesn't just go on with his own life, since for all intents and purposes, Beverly is only ruining his own. And Elliot asks Beverly to recount the tale of the Siamese twins, Chang and Aang. Chang died in his sleep, and when Aang woke up in the morning, he died of fright. And Elliot asks, does that answer your question? Yeah, again, this just reiterates how strongly attached Elliot is to Beverly. Even in his drug-addicted mind, Beverly is like, why are you even bothering with me, you know? Aren't you your own person? And... In Elliot's mind, they really aren't. They share this one identity between the two of them. It is incredible the length Elliot is going and the risks he's going to take to help his brother. Because at first he is the unlikable one, but he has made quite an admirable, if not misguided, turn here. Yeah, it's very tragically sad, you know, the lengths he's willing to go. And, you know, it is out of love, but he's also ruining his own life to say, try and save Beverly. So on his bender, locked in his clinic, Bev receives a call from Claire, and they end up clearing up the misunderstanding. And Bev weasels his way out of the clinic to visit her. And along the way, he finds the display of his gynecological instruments for mutant women at the Metal Sculptor's Gallery, and he ends up stealing them. We really see how close to rock bottom he is here, because he's puking in bushes. But the, the thing is, Bev is sort of a functional drug addict. His problem is that he's completely lost touch with reality. I just wanted to bring up I love when he's cleaning himself up and we see him shaving in the mirror with his unsteady hand and it just looks like he's about to scrape his face off with the razor. <laughs> that's some uh, mad uncomfortable imagery. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough shaving sequence. He already looked clawed up, right? <laughs> right. Ugh. So Bev visits Claire, and he quickly passes out after being fed some pills. And she discovers his instruments and questions him about them the next morning. And he tells her that they're medical tools for separating Siamese twins. And that brings us to the shocking and tragic conclusion of Dead Ringers. I, I love Claire just knows, like, if Bev goes to see... Elliot like it's over you know she uh, 
totally understands how close they really are, even if they can't really see it for what it is. She just knows that Bev isn't coming back. Yeah, it's depressing for sure. Like, it's breaking her as well because she really loves Bev. But Bev returns to the clinic and we see the interior looks worse than the hotel rooms in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like, (laughs) they've been tearing it down, man. (laughs) And he discovers Elliot in the shower and we see that Elliot has become a drug-addled mess. And as they get dressed together, they discuss their drug regiment before agreeing to kick the habit on Monday. And it's so sad to see the lengths that Elliot did go for Beverly here. And like I said, Bev was sort of a functional addict, where Elliot isn't nearly as functional as Bev. He's just a junkie here. They end up sharing some cake and orange pop, but no ice cream, Danny. (laughs) They didn't have any ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, and that causes Elliot to... Start whining. (laughs) (laughs) I want some ice cream. Oh, such such great acting here. Just, oh man, can't be said enough. Oh, good. We'll talk about it later, but just this scene in particular is so striking to me. Dude, that cake was dirty too. There was like a piece of hair stuck in his mouth from that cake. (laughs) That cake was stale as shit. He breaks it in half. (laughs) (laughs) Hands one half to Elliot. Oh, man. Beverly informs Elliot here that it's their birthday. And how did you interpret that? I don't know. It's kind of an abstract line. I don't really know how to interpret that one. Is how conscious of his actions is Beverly at this point? Because... If he's really planning on doing the separation, you could view that as a birthday, right? Like the beginning of the rest of your life, sort of. Right, yeah. Yeah, they're in some sort of drug-induced delirium, and for some reason, Elliot offers to be separated. Yeah, we see him get raised up on this surgical chair, and Beverly shoots him up, and then he starts operating on him with the experimental tools. And we see blood pouring from Elliot as he has his stomach cut open by Beverly. And the Siamese twins are effectively separated. And the next morning, Bev wakes up and sulks about the clinic in search of Elliot. He's continuously calling out for him like, Ellie, Ellie. And in the background, we can see the disemboweled and deceased Elliot in the chair. But Beverly refuses to look. Yeah, Beverly is... Truly disconnected and has no idea how to even confront the fact that his brother is gone. You know, it's almost like he expects him to answer back in his own head. But he has effectively lost half of himself with the loss of Elliot. So it's really heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, and there's great music swelling in this scene. And we watch as Beverly cleans himself up and gets ready to step out into the world as a singular but whole individual. He walks to a payphone. He calls Claire. She answers, but Beverly doesn't speak up. He drops the phone and walks back inside the clinic, unable to be separate, unable to be an individual from his brother. And we see the Mantle Twins cradled together, dead. And that's the end of our movie. Yeah, I love that the last line that Claire says is, who is this? And it's almost like 
Beverly doesn't know. He doesn't know how to confront the fact that he is a singular person, not connected to Elliot. And yeah, he doesn't know how to go on with life. And the twins end up dead together in each other's arms. Well, that is Dead Ringers. So would you like to start off our final thoughts, Danny? Absolutely. Dead Ringers, on my first watch, wasn't sure how I felt about it. I definitely liked the film, but I wasn't sure more than that. It's certainly a film that takes a while to digest and really appreciate, and multiple viewings are almost required. On my rewatch, I ended up really, really enjoying this film. The performances are wonderful. It's a tragic story about attachment, and attachment is multi-layered because the twins are attached mentally. They act as one being, but physically as well as they share everything in their life from women to living together, sharing the workload, everything. And it's a tragic story about addiction. Addiction to drugs, addiction to relationships, and it's just it's just sad to see all these relationships dissolve. And I really love this movie. Awesome, man. Well, let me start out by saying what a thought-provoking and tragic film. I didn't expect this film to have so much to do with drug addiction. I'd put it right up there with a film like Requiem for a Dream in showing the terrible consequences of addiction, not to mention its effects on the ones closest to those battling the addiction. Yeah, really, it's a horror movie about addiction and the consequences of. For sure. But at the same time, it has those wonderful touches of love, lust, loss, brotherhood, and separation. Not to mention a healthy dose of psychological horror. You can't overstate the brilliance in this tale being about twins. There's a certain fascination or romanticization of the idea of having a twin by just about everyone who isn't a twin, you know? Right. Even a bit of mystery, you could say. You know, twins are mysterious. And watching this movie with all these different and interesting angles is just so captivating and entertaining. Like, it's a downer film, right? Like, there's some films that will just beat you into a depressive state. But I didn't get that here. And I find that a bit surprising, as well as being a testament to its strengths. It's just a great film. Another great film by David Cronenberg. I'm glad I finally gave it the time it deserved. And I'm looking forward to scratch a few more straggling Cronenberg films off my list. As sad as it is to see the Mantle Twins fall from grace, they are just so likable. It's a testament to how well written the movie is, how well acted it is. So yeah, I definitely think you're on to something there. With It is depressing, but it's also just such a fascinating watch. Well, we don't have kills in this film. So I thought we could take some time to heap a bit of praise on Jeremy Irons' performance instead. I'm sure most people don't need to be told how great this performance is. And I'm sure it got its praise in its day. I think it's still deserving and should probably be mentioned in the lexicon of acting more often today than it is. I mean, Jeremy Irons doesn't give just one brilliant performance, he gives two. I think back to the scene between Claire and Elliot when he asks her if he is all that much different than his brother Beverly. And the truth really is, yes, he is. 
it's strikingly impressive how different these two characters are when you pay close attention. They're fully realized individuals with their own quirks and mannerisms. And the more I watched it, the more impressed I became. Yeah, the more you watch it, the more you see the little intricacies that make them so different. And what really boggled my mind is that, you know, there's plenty of films where an actor plays two characters. But in this movie, it's every other scene that these brothers are in a scene together. And such an undertaking when you really think about it, like how much work goes into that, how much work it really is to sell that these two are different people. So it's really an amazing feat. And yeah, it just boggles my mind, like how good of a job Jeremy Irons really does at making them feel like two different people. And it's almost like Jeremy Irons has a twin because they are so different. Right. Well, cool, man. I'm glad to see baby brother and I are on the same page here. <laughs> but before we wrap it up. Hey, we're not, we're not Siamese. We're not twins. But I think there's a, I think there is some sort of brotherly connection, you know, <laughs> and it's unexplainable. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, man. Did you find a favorite scene while watching Dead Ringers? I certainly did. And for me, it's the finale of this film. Oh. As we see both Elliot and Beverly in their drug-induced state. Yeah, I really love that shot when you see them in the doorways and they're not really mimicking each other, but they're just doing the exact same thing. And it really is this visual shot of just how close they are as people. And I think this is the one scene where they're really like... You almost can't tell who's who when they're both in this drug-addicted state. Yeah. And it's just so sad to see them go through this separation, but then to see how much it really weighs on Beverly in the end and how he realizes he can't go on without his brother. He's too attached, and you can't break that attachment so abruptly, and he has no idea where to go, and it's just heartbreaking. So sad. Such a great finale for this story. I love it. Awesome. Great choice. Dark. Dark choice. (laughs) What about you, Sean? Favorite scene? Well, this film is not really, but kind of a tale of two halves. No pun intended. Before things go completely off the rails, we mainly get the Mantle Twins having their deviant three-way tryst with Claire as she remains none the wiser. Elliot is just sleeping with her for some sexual gratification, whereas Beverly has fallen in love with her. Then she slowly gets wise to the act and figures it all out by chance. And it all culminates in the scene in the restaurant where she confronts them together. And that's my favorite scene. You know, it's funny, in your favorite scene, you mentioned how there was a part where that's the part where you can't tell them apart, right? But at this dinner scene is the most striking in the fact that this is where you see the differences the most between them. Yeah, uh, the dinner scene would probably be my second pick. So it's funny that you that was yours. Because, <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way, like seeing them act so differently. And really, that scene is the best at showcasing their differences is really amazing. But like I said, seeing them in the end, so uh, so connected and really hold together for the last time 
really is just sad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the dinner scene is great. Especially Claire in this scene where she's so sharp-tongued and is like, to Elliot, is like, what is it with you, chum? Can't get it up without little brother watching? I wanted to mention, like, this scenario kind of gets overshadowed, but it's pretty twisted in its own right, and it's exclusively a woman's nightmare. Because I don't see a man getting half as upset if he found out he was the unknowing sex (laughs) object of twins. We'd have to be talking about a pretty sensitive man here. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the dinner confrontation in the restaurant. I love the stark contrast we get to see between Beverly and Elliot here. I love the way it's shot. Love the acting. Great stuff. Yeah, this film is shot so well. The tricks they utilize to make it seem like they're really sitting next to each other in all these scenes. Like I said, it's such a feat to undergo. It's amazing. That was Dead Ringers, our first Cronenberg movie. I can't wait to do more. Every Cronenberg film I've seen, I've really enjoyed. So yeah, I can't wait to do more Cronenberg films. Awesome. Well, we hope you're enjoying our international horror celebration. And that was Canada. And next Friday, we're going in the opposite direction and taking a trip to Mexico. So we hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Don't forget to check us out on all social media. And we'll see you next time. Bye.